Hello, my name is Ryan Broderick, and welcome to the Content Minds. Last night, I did a live show, comedy show, internet show, in front of over 100 people, which is the most amount of people I've seen in one place in almost 20 months. So that was very exciting. I'm still buzzing from it. <laughs> uh, and I'm Luke, and I went to a football match on Sunday with 60,000 people, and it was great. Did you Did you do football stuff there? No, obviously not. I'm, I, no, I watched football. No, but I mean, you watched football. Yeah. Which team? Tottenham, Man City. Oh, who won? Tottenham won. Tottenham won. Oh, congratulations! Unexpe- unexpectedly, everyone got really mad because it's a long story. But basically, Harry Kane's been trying to leave Tottenham to go to Man City. Man City are trying to buy Harry Kane for like hundreds of millions of pounds. Won't spend spend enough hundreds of million pounds in order to get him. Uh, but he's kind of refusing to play for Tottenham at the moment. But he is technically Tottenham's best player. Uh, as a result, like he only wants to leave Tottenham to go to Man City because Man City are a much better team. And then, of the, after this game, as we came to the end of the game with like five minutes left and Tottenham were ahead, everyone was was singing "Are You Watching Harry Kane?" which was great fun. I'm learning a lot about football culture from Ted Lasso, so I know what some it's of the nothing, th- it's awful. I, I hate it. Ted Lasso, have you seen it? Yeah, I watched like three episodes and I wanted to die. Yeah, isn't it great? It's awful. It's one of the, it's one of the worst things. It's, it's not good. It is, it's bad with football. It's bad with Americanism. It's bad with Britishism. I hate it. I, I do think it's not fair for the show to cast a portrayal of British people as being like emotional. Yeah, exactly. I think that's all too much. Incorrect. Um, anyways, let's get into the show. This week, we are talking about basically the only thing that me and Luke can think about, which is Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, but I guess before we get to that, <laughs> hey, Luke. <laughs> Please don't ask me. How was the internet this week? Really fucking grim. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like as grim as it's ever been, I don't actually remember a more grim week on the internet. I don't remember a more grim. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy because, you know, if you think about the last incredibly grim period of time, it was the first few weeks of the pandemic when it went truly global and we went to lockdown and stuff. But that was grim IRL. Like it felt like the, going on the internet felt more normal and going outside felt incredibly grim because you hear sirens and yeah. everything was silent. Everyone was like scurrying away from each other on seats on the street. And that was incredibly grim. This one though, fuck me. Like it is all the internet. It is all awful. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would say this is when people say like, it's like watching a slow motion car crash. Like this is, this is the slow motion car crash and it's not, stopping like it's still going and it's it's also probably like the most it's the most surreal i've felt using the internet like watching the taliban take afghanistan in real time on twitter over the weekend consumed me in a way that like at the height of my breaking news reporting life i was never this sort of 
like immersed in something if it, it feels it feels like the stickiest this sort of thing has ever been and i think it's probably because like twitter is just all consuming now so like any like any news event gets to this level of stickiness and yet i don't know it's very disorienting um yeah it's it's very strange i think yeah it's 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 incredibly disorienting because it's, it's also it, it's the speed that it's happened it's it's the speed and the scale which means that it is you know it is a it is a constant thing from what probably what was it, tuesday night wednesday night when they were like this is happening and you and like as each day went on it became incredibly clear that you know their original 90 days until they're at the walls of Kabul, 180 days until they maybe make it inside Kabul, and then it turns out that that that, that it wasn't even that many hours um and it just has felt incredibly constant and incredibly just like just going and there's uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it and it is a it is a, a proper you know you know what actually doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a car crash because it feel it feels like watching the car without the brakes going down the hill to the inevitable car crash and that's what it's felt like for the last week and it's like nope this is this is just happening now yeah i would agree with that before we go into all of that have you seen the human remains drama on tiktok wait is this an afghanistan related thing no 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 this is just like a guy who got called out for selling bones on tiktok for the, the skull guy yeah the skull guy yeah who had like a long extended explanation of like osteo selling from what i can gather he's like a gen z hustle bro who's like trying to like modernize the world of selling human bones i guess yeah i mean he has a spine room which i think is strange there's a lot of strange parts to this, but I think that's the strangest. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a room de- dedicated to a bone, a spine room is very much the weirdest bone to have it dedicated to. I would agree. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> let me explain. There is a TikTok user named John's Bones, and he uses uh, social media to practice what he calls osteology. And he, so, yeah. he claims that these are all ethically sourced bones, which I don't know if that's true. I don't know enough about bones to know which ones are ethically sourced. I don't know how you go about getting ethically sourced bones. I do know that every single time someone on the internet has said, my bone collection is ethically sourced, <laughs> they have been called out for not having an ethically sourced bone collection. This is... Basically, the heart of what happened on Tumblr with the Bone Witch a couple years ago. Um, But yeah, the whole thing is fantastic. Okay, so did you know this guy has like a full-on website? Yeah, no, this is like a business. John's Bones. He he has a. It's his company, and he sells bones. I assume his name is John. Um, That would make sense. Yeah, he's JohnsBones.com. I want to write out. I'm shopping bones right now. Huh. Have you looked at how much this stuff is? Because it's... It's pretty expensive. It's surprisingly expensive. There's a lot of variation. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is between the medical skulls. Like, one is $2,630, the other one is $2,580. I don't... I guess maybe it's, like, the quality of the skull? I assume it's quality and also, like, they've it's been put together in such a way that you can, like, demonstrate it? Well, yeah, some of these are labeled demonstrative skull... Right, so that's like a skull where you can you can take it apart and be like, "This is this is, wow." Okay, do you want to know how much a leg and a pelvis is? Tell me, it's almost seven thousand dollars. 
So I want to work out how much a human is worth based on this. I was also doing that. That's that's <laughs> what you just heard. I was also doing that math in my head. Like how how much is a full skeleton? Yeah. Okay. So uh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And there's there's different. Oh, God. Like I hate this because I hate that how how. I mean, a vertebrae costs fifty dollars per vertebrae. Wait, but this doesn't make any sense because if you go to the full skeleton page, a full skeleton is. Seven and a half thousand dollars. Where's the full skeleton page? I don't see it. Uh, it's, it's in articulations. Okay, hold on. Ah, okay. So a full skeleton is seven thousand dollars. I mean, maybe it's because you're buying in bulk. Yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense. You get a discount. You get a discount because you're buying the whole skeleton. Yeah. But like. What am I looking at here? A phantom leg and pelvis is almost the same price as a skeleton. So like, why not just buy the skeleton at that point? If you're gonna if you're gonna spend seven thousand dollars, why not get the whole the whole guy? You know. Oh, okay, okay. So the 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 phantom leg and pelvis isn't a bone leg and pelvis, or rather, it is, but it's also encased in lucite. Oh, so you're paying for the lucite? That's how they get you. You're paying you. for the lucite. That's yeah. exactly how they get you. You know, you yeah. want the bones, and then they cover it in lucite, and you got to pay extra. Hmm. So I think the thing that got this John's bones guy in trouble was the rarities section where he is selling fetal skulls. That's, I mean, yeah, that's not good. I mean, none of this is good. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I've just been to the bottom of his main, uh, like, page, and is and he's got an as-featured thing. And, like, you can guess every single outlet that has featured this thing, uh, which includes Unilad. Yep. Viral Thread. Yep. Yahoo Finance. Incredible. Uh, and Daily Mail. So that's that's good. <laughs> wow. This is like a very Gen Z bone-selling operation, you know? Oh, and, and the channel It's Gone Viral, which is one of those Facebook pages that I've been meaning to, like, figure out what the hell is this thing for a while. And I've not gone around to it. Under under his About section, he has a, he has a, a section called An Industry-Wide Facelift. When John first entered the field, he noticed that the commercial bone industry was strongly associated with the concept of death, was often considered taboo, and was usually portrayed in a dark gothic aesthetic. Rather than feeding into all the stigmas and tropes, John has worked hard to dust away the cobwebs and give these pieces a second life in his own unique way. See, I think he you, he should have leaned into the goth stuff and just done like a spooky bone store, because I think... If his store was spookier, people would be less mad at him. Well, if you're going to come at this, like, it is a, probably a correct thing to, to be like, hey, uh, I'm going to start selling bones in a non-weird, creepy, gothic way. These are here for, like, I don't know. Ah, oh, God, I've just seen, I've just seen the ribs section and the ribs are individual human rib bones, $18 a piece, which, you know, if you're looking for a bargain, go for the ribs, but they're out of stock. I am surprised by how many are, are out of stock. This guy seems to be pretty busy. And I have to imagine, like, there are a lot of people watching him go viral and buying his bones. Like, I would, I assume. Yeah. Um, cause, like, I assume the people who really care about TikTok drama are also the type to buy bones on the internet, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I get how you would come at this and be like, I'm gonna stop doing the weird gothic thing where everything is covered in cobwebs, and I'm gonna be like, hey, here's the bones you need. They're cleaned up. They're nice and shiny. You'll get exactly what you, you asked for, and it'll be like delivered to you in a correct way that it means it hasn't been ground to dust by uh, 
the male, but like as in the male system. But also, do still stunning bones. <laughs> yeah. It somehow feels worse when you're doing it more nakedly commercially. Oh, he takes PayPal. So, yeah, I, I would say that like the, the capitalism of this is making me uncomfortable for sure. But also, the, I mean, I'm I'm still pretty stuck on the prices also. Like 200 bucks for a femur, that's crazy. You know, that's a crazy yeah. that's a crazy good deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, patella, a patella's like 30 bucks. Like yeah, a kneecap for 30 bucks. It's pretty good. How do you ship bones? Cuz there must be regulations, right? Like you can't just like mail a I dead mean, body. I mean, I would have th- I would have thought there would have been regulations on having that many spines, but apparently not. I mean, I will never let the government come into my home and tell me how many human spines I can own. I mean, you have to I assume gently. Like you need to protect the bones. Like imagine if you got a, a brand new femur shipped, or well, obviously a brand new femur, like a, a, a quite an old femur, and it broke on the way. That would be that'd be a nightmare. Guess how guess how much an individual rib bone is? Eighteen dollars. I just said this. Oh, you did? Yeah, and I said they're out of stock, and I thought that was weird. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I wish this guy the best. Seems like he's pretty buried in uh, TikTok drama at the moment, but uh, based on his website, seems like he's selling a lot of bones. Yeah. Um, Hey, have you seen the absolutely insane Facebook report? Which Facebook report? It came out this week. It is very interesting. I'm going to send it to you right now because I think you're really going to like it. It's the Q2 2021 transparency report. Oh, I have not seen this. Hit me. There's a lot of like uh, bullshit in the report, but if you go down to domains and links, you'll start to see the most shared websites and web pages on Facebook. Oh, no. The number one most shared website was for the <laughs> Green Bay Packers Alumni Association. <laughs> yes, great. And the That's second good. the second most shared was a website called purehempshop.com. I like every... Oh, this is amazing. Oh, my God. This is, this is like a nightmare list of pages. I'm sorry. Okay, it is unbelievable. Hold on. I'm gonna let me just for 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 our listeners, let me just rattle through the top ten here. We have playeralumniresources.com, which is for the Green Bay Packers, purehempshop.com. I mean that's just good stuff. Yeah. UNICEF uh for COVID in India, myincrediblerecipes.com, a clothing <laughs> store called Reppin for Christ, which is amazing. <laughs> This one, okay, number six is awesome. It's just yahoo.com. <laughs> <laughs> then we have, uh. We can, we can, re- at this point, we can really, really tell the, like, the syncing up of both people who use Yahoo and people who use Facebook, which is yeah. the same group of people. I, I so badly want to just go on my Facebook and share yahoo.com as a post and just be like, check this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, check this stuff out. <laughs> Check out this amazing content. Okay, then we have a GIF of two cats, and the GIF <laughs> is hosted on Tumblr, so it's just like the raw URL for a Tumblr GIF. It's a good GIF. It is a good GIF. Then we have Steve FM, which is a radio station from Virginia. Uh, Wait, is this – hang on. Can I just check? Sorry. Is this in the U.S.? Yes. I, okay. In the U.S. Well, weirdly, the next one is LondonEdge.com. Which is some kind of like stage show in Las Vegas, I guess. Some kind of like rockabilly stage show. Oh my god, this is the ugliest. 
content. And then lastly, we have the subscribe page for the Epoch Times. <laughs> Incredible. Absolutely. Fuck just me. That unbelievable. Is... Uh, okay, and then... We, so That is a nightmare. That is an actual nightmare. I cannot believe they they publicly released this. It gets worse. So here are the top five pages. Uh, UNICEF, which makes sense. Then it's a cooking thing called Kitchen Fun with My Three Sons. Uh, I wonder if this... It, this does not appear to be run by a magician. This appears to be a real cooking blog. Okay. Then we have Sassy Media, which I have never heard of. Um, what? Oh, it's just like inspirational video content. So it, like, Yeah, this is proper Facebook charm. Yeah, this is just garbage. Okay. Then we have The Dodo and Lad Bible. Then we have something called Woof Woof, which is... What is this? <laughs> this is a... Just a dog page. Just a page about dogs. Okay, that's cool. Um, then we have something called A Woman's Soul, which is Awakening a Woman's Soul. Ladies, know your value and what you deserve. This page is dedicated to... It's good that the women have a page. What is this? What is any of this? This is insane. This is just like... I was wondering like where the this content comes from, and now I get it. So this is just like... It's just like we heart it content, basically. It's like stuff about relationships. Okay. Sassy Sassy Media appears as far as because I've been trying to like hunt this down as we go, and it appears to be a brand based out of Singapore slash Hong Kong. Okay. Which was init- which is is the one of the leading English speaking lifestyle resources in Asia, which was originally a newsletter and has somehow become this page. However. Every single woman on this, there is like an extended list of co-founders. There is a list of eight co-founders, all of whom are white women. What is this? (laughs) Why does this exist? How does this exist? Why is there not more to this? I, I don't. I don't understand. Okay. Okay. As far as I can, wait, no. Okay. As far as I can tell, Sassy Media is basically a, you give them money and they put your product on their one of their facebook pages and send it to their 110,000 highly engaged email subscribers huh and that is that is the whole deal so the next one is a page called 3am thoughts which is just like an inspirational quotes page run out of pakistan yep then we have something someone called lori foster who is an auth oh it's a romance novel author Nice. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Um, I think. I think these are romance novels. Uh, and then lastly, we have the World Health Organization. So, yeah, it's – and then if you go down more, uh, there's like a list of like the most viewed posts. And the most viewed post was viewed 80 million times and it was like a word jumble posted by an Indian life coach. Fucking <laughs> hell. Like this is one of those things where you read and you're just like, wow, this is just, just this is just awful. Like I don't understand why Facebook would admit this. <laughs> no, like there's nothing to be gained from anyone knowing this. And it's funny because if you look at the report, they spend a lot of time in the report, basically arguing that the most viewed content is actually responsible for like a very small amount of content. So they have like a big graph at the top being like only. Only 0.1% of the platform is represented by the most viewed content, but also 
it is the most viewed content. So like, I don't know. I've just gone to the, the woof woof pages website to try and figure out who they are. Yeah. Uh, and they, they don't exist as far as I can tell. They have large chunks of lorem ipsum text on their website, including, you know, like all of their terms, conditions and privacy policy stuff. And, and they've clearly used like a finder, repl- no, they've clearly used a finder replace on all of their terms and conditions. All right. Hold on. I'm going to the website. I want to check this out. Let's see. Yeah, just go to the privacy policy. The woofwoof.com. Okay, so this is Oh yeah, this is the website is all lorem ipsum. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh man, I love Facebook media companies. I I honestly could like sit and like look at these all day cuz however, based on the holding company that owns this website, uh it is based out of the UK and run by a 24-year-old. Of course. In in Northampton. Of course. That's the future of media. Yep. <laughs> One of the, the top 10 com- biggest companies on Facebook, and fuck me. <laughs> it, it also seems to be running like an editorial operation on woofwoof.tv. Yeah. Which is like a bored panda site for like dog content, I guess. Yeah, this whole thing seems to be based on the... Yeah, I don't know, man. Wow, this is so ugly. I love this. I love how ugly... All of this is. All of this is truly awful. Yeah, this rules. This is so dark. Have we done the most widely viewed pay- posts p- page? Because that is also everything on this is batshit. Yeah. So the wide, the most widely viewed posts, the number one is the Indian Life Coach, and then you've got a rapper named Ace Gutta. Then you have a post that has been deleted, which I think is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a post which was. Created by a page called Daytime with Kimberly and Esteban. And it's just like a text post that just says, what is something you'll never eat no matter how hungry you get? <laughs> then the next one is another text <laughs> post that just says, please settle this debate. Does sugar go in spaghetti? What is happening? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how you could look at this as a brand and be like, I want to be associated with this. Like, I don't understand how you could, as a company, look at this and be like, we're relevant. Like, this We've is nailed, what we have, we have nailed this. This is, this is relevant to culture. Like, this is, this is just such fucking shit garbage. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's awesome. However, if you go down, you can also start to see kind of like some of the, the pages that appear in the top half of it. Like the Lori Foster has, it has like two entries in the most shared pages. Right. In the t- most shared posts, including one about like peanut butter goes with question mark. You can't say jelly. Yeah. Or like that, like rockabilly Las Vegas, like stage show thing. London edge has a post. That's like a picture of a dog and it's like asking you to name the dog. And that, yeah, that's very popular, which wouldn't make the page popular, I guess. Okay. This is good. Yeah. All right. Facebook nailing it. It's a, a good website that we should all spend more time on. Yeah, it's awesome. This is yeah, this is like staring into like the dark void of of like the human condition. It's amazing. So 
I've been trying to sort of reconcile my viewing of 9-11 as a kid on TV, on the early internet, in media sense, with what I'm now watching at, at the end of this era of like the war on terror. Where, where were you when you when you found out about 9-11? Where were you when 9-11 happened? So I was in middle school. It happened when I was in music class. They took us all into a room and we listened to updates on the radio. We were then sent home early. My family is an airline family. So my mom is a flight, it was a yeah. flight attendant until last year. My dad was a flight attendant until the, like the end of the nineties. Uh, and United 93 was a flight that my mom flew regularly. So she knew people on board. Um, and we basically just watched, you know, it on a loop for days. It felt like, um, weirdly, I don't remember like anything from that year other than like, <laughs> like I remember getting home from school that morning and then I don't have a single coherent memory from the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like, it's really strange what it, what it has sort of done to my memory, but it, like it, it was, it, it was a weird thing. And to see it like, you know, frozen in media, like told via news clips and like internet posts. And it, it, to me, it it feels like it defined like my life ever since is that like information now comes like rapid and crazy and on a loop and it didn't used to. Where, where were yeah. you when it happened? Uh, I was, cause obviously it was, would have been, it was later in the day. Uh, and I'd left school. Uh, and actually I don't remember it happening live or rather. Because my parents had a my parents had a shop at the time, uh, and I walked back to the shop, uh, like after school, and there was a radio in like the back area where we like fixed vacuum cleaners and stuff, uh, and the radio was on, and like they were talking about it, and then that was at the point that the second plane hit, Mm. uh, or rather maybe it was just after it was when they were kind of like talking, being like, oh, this is deliberate, this is a real thing, this is not an accident. Uh, then we went to, cause we had like, I don't know, the car was in the garage or something. And so we went to like, the mechanics to pick up the car and then we we're like sitting and I was watching it on a, a TV in like a mechanics office. And that was on the plane, the, the first tower fell. And it was, I don't know, it felt so strange and so distant, but simultaneously very close. And as a result, like I, I, I totally get what you mean in that nothing totally felt real since. Or rather, it, it felt like there was it was a dividing line. Yes. So I weirdly enough, last week I was talking about a William Gibson quote about nine eleven, and I finally was able to find it uh, because I was thinking a lot about it because of you know watching Afghanistan fall. And so here's the quote that William Gibson gave to the New Yorker in 2019, and it's about his experience learning about nine eleven from a forum that he was using to buy watches. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Someone on the East Coast posted, plane hit World Trade Center. I Googled it. There was nothing. I went to get some coffee, and when I came back, there was a second post under the first. Second plane hit. It wasn't an accident. The attack rewrote our expectations. It made life instantly scarier. It also seemed to adjust the temporality of the world. From then on, events would move faster. There would be no screen, only a locomotive. And 
it was also like a moment for him where he understood the power of like what he calls otaku culture, but this idea of like building digital media bubbles that you live inside of that are like increasingly niche and viewing the world through them. And for him, like 9-11 was the moment that that happened. And then ever since, it does feel like we're in this weird world where information is constant and on a loop all the time, but also it's not coherent or linear. It's like, uh, it's like we're being bombarded with media. And so every sort of image is instantly iconic and burned into your brain and thus meaningless. But it's also, it's also utterly decontextualized, which is, which is the crazy thing about like my, yeah, as I say, my memory of, of 9-11 was almost entirely decontextualized. Like I don't remember watching it. I don't remember it happening. I just remember seeing it kind of like from a distance in a weird scenario in every version of it. Whereas this version has been the opposite of that, where I've seen every single thing happening, but completely stripped of context. I don't know how bad it is. I don't know really know what's going on. I have no way to understand like the numbers or the scale or the speed or anything. It's just kind of like shit's happening. Uh, and it's been incredibly hard to find out information because it's been so chaotic there. But as a result, there's been something else which is a specifically internet phenomenon of feeling as though there should be information to fill these voids and there just isn't. And so as a result, you end up seeing the same thing again and again and again and different versions and different flavors and different iterations of the same shitty takes round and round and round again, which makes it so much worse. What I, yeah. And what has been really jarring for me is that Afghanistan and the conflict in Afghanistan has been in my life for the majority of my life. So tw 20 years we've been there. Yeah. And I know people who have served there in the military as well as people who went as private contractors. In popular media, my understanding of Afghanistan was I'm discovering wildly limited. Like it, it's so fascinating to me that it has been such a massive part of the American identity specifically for the last 20 years. And yet this week was the first time that like, I saw what like Kabul looks like. That's the other thing, which is that so without putting too fine, like thing on it. So few people, us and British people have actually died there. Right. And like, like rel relatively, I think it's, it's slightly north of 2000 in for us soldiers and about 400, 450 for UK soldiers in 20 years. Like, that's actually a, like, it's tragic for all of those deaths. But when you look at the number of deaths to Afghanistan, Afghanistani people and US and UK people, it's like, it's not even comparable, which is what this, this whole thing feels, yeah, so warped because I don't truly know what it's like to be. Because also, like, people are talking about this as the end of a, you know, I, it's like, oh, I can't believe the, Af the Afghans put their weapons down after two days. And it's like, this is the end of a 20-year war, which came after the end of, like, a 19-year war, which came after the end of, like, a different six-year war. It's been, like, 50 years of this. Right. And I think what has been very powerful for me is to, like... All right, I'm going to try to... I'm going to I'm gonna try to do that thing again where I'm going to talk through an idea, and I need your help here. All I, right. I need you to help me make my way through, <laughs> through my own mind. So I'm going to put a sting here to, to, to start fresh, okay? So here we go. Okay, so the war on terror, as I've experienced it, has been almost 
almost completely told via media and not just any media, but cable news. Almost yeah. all of my understanding of the war on terror has been via clips of dusty roads and Humvees and helicopters taking off and, and landing and, you know, journalists in flak jackets in, in, in fields like that. It is a, a, a totally visual thing. Yeah, we don't we don't have cable news in the UK, but yeah, it, exactly the same. There's an awful lot of dust and desert and yes. then mountains and different dust. So this week, to see the visual aesthetics of the war on terror be blasted apart by Twitter content at a speed unlike anything I've ever experienced as an internet user has been psychologically jarring, I think, because for the first time in my lifetime, the 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 uniform visual context of the war on terror has disappeared and it, and in and in its stead is like chaos it's it's like the photos of the the people rushing the airport or the the photo um of the of the female cnn journalists like posing with taliban fighters like mm. the the video of the taliban in the presidential gym c- carrying a rocket launcher and working out on the on the elliptical yeah, there was a there was a clip that went around the other day, which maybe it's old. I don't know. It's it's hard to keep up with this stuff. Uh, but you know, they were fighting, and someone put loaded a a rocket into an RPG, and the rocket fell out the front of it while lit, and everyone just, like scrambled over like the edges of things. And it's that thing where you're looking at it being like it's simultaneously hyper real and not real, and yeah, right. And so there's this feeling. I'm having where I'm understanding that all of our all of our experiences of the last 20 years of this conflict have been told via a very specific like visual context that supports the military presence there. And now that that's gone, everything is just coming undone. And I think that's the complicated feelings I had watching the video of the the people falling from the plane there if if you haven't yeah. seen this it's horrific don't seek it out don't seek it out i unfortunately woke up and it was just all over my timeline but then to watch internet users immediately make content out of it and compare it to the 911 falling man there was just it it was to me like an unbelievable indictment of the role media has played in this like it to to your point about like nine eleven and nothing feeling real ever since, but also feeling too real, like it it feels like we've been inside of like a media simulacrum of of the world, and then it burst, and that's I, that's why I think I'm having such a weird time right now. I mean, the other thing that I feel like makes it weird for me is is actually the the people falling from plane is a really good example because it was. Now we remember the people falling from the towers or jumping from the towers as a like an iconic image of that, but it wasn't at the time. Like it was, there was a an understanding among news media and an understanding among people that that was not a thing that that was shown. Right. And obviously, there was the famous photo of it, which appeared, I think, I want to say the New York Post, but it appeared on one of the New York newspapers the next day, and then kind of never appeared again for a while. And it was it was very much the thing that everyone kind of step back from more like this is too much this is too real this is too like and there was an understanding because that gatekeeping still existed and that same like gatekeeping that same 
general responsibility didn't ex- doesn't exist with social media at all and therefore doesn't really exist with with news media and so like yeah the idea that 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 now happens as a as a yeah seeing that image 20 years ago people would not have seen it or would not have seen it in the same aggression or repetitiveness or frequency or immediacy now is like yeah no this is happening instantly here it is everywhere repeated repeatedly so the the photo lucas talking about is called the falling man it was taken by associated press photographer richard drew and it was published in the september 12th issue of the new york times uh the man in the photo has never been identified but there are some guesses as to who it could be um and pretty regularly when the photo appears in print it's condemned it's talked about as being you know too disturbing but the, but the, th- the thing is it goes beyond that because i know that was the famous one but there were many many others right like there were an awful lot of photos of people jumping from that building and that was the only one that ever really came out but there were a lot of photos and and like there was an understanding that like this is not a thing that we publish so i uh i one of the best courses i ever took in college was called the sociology of terrorism and it was taught by a very old polish man whose father blew up nazi trains <laughs> and one of his like first big sort of lessons to start the class off was basically using 9-11 to talk about the complications of defining terrorism. And, you know, he would say, like, you know, my father who blew up Nazi trains was labeled a terrorist. Do you think that, you know, he is the same as the people who carried out the the September 11 attacks? But he also described 9-11 as the most visually sophisticated act of violence in human history. And that it was, it was, it was almost created in a way to be as viral and iconic as possible. And it feels like it built, I think I've talked about this in the show before, but I sort of, I sort of view the internet as like a machine that's like learning, right? So every time we do something new on the internet, it then becomes part of the internet. And I think there was a, a, piece of the internet a piece of technology a piece of media that was built by 9-11 and it has never gone away and now like we have an endless 9-11 machine and that's that's how like the media works now yeah and then to watch that 9-11 machine activate and cover the fall of afghanistan was extremely surreal i think uh i mean another thing that i've kind of i came across the other day which i think is really interesting from this context of how what a terrorist is um is that there is a, a snopes fact check about whether or not ronald reagan met taliban leaders at the white house i don't know if you've seen this photo i haven't okay hang on let me oh wait uh, i did see the photo going around but like obviously i didn't care enough to like look up if it was real or not yeah okay. i was just like so, yeah of course ronald reagan met the taliban sure is it real no, so so it is it is politifact and snopes both say it is false they did not. He did not meet with the Taliban in the White House in 1985. The photograph was actually taken in 1983. What's really important is that it was taken in 1983, and it wasn't the Taliban. It's from. It's when Reagan and CIA were discussing the idea of arming Mujahideen fighters in order to fight against the Soviet incursion, uh, and they have therefore invited some of those Afghanistan leaders to the White House, and that was before the Taliban happened. So it definitely wasn't the Taliban. It's like, I mean, sure, it's false technically. 
but it's also absolutely not false in spirit. Guess guess what the Washington Post published two hours ago. What? The Mujahideen resistance to the Taliban begins now, but we need help. we're doing it again baby let's do it uh Uh, yeah look let's find a different warlord i mean fucking hell (laughs) all right um some other bits and pieces we should talk about from um afghanistan uh the the fucking British guy who went on holiday there? Yeah, all right. Let's talk about the 4chan user that went to <laughs> Afghanistan. Fuck this guy. So, okay, I think... Obviously, I understand why people are mad about this story. Yes. Um, I want to say that this was written by Chris Stokel Walker for Input. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually been talking to Chris on Twitter. Um, his stuff is so – he's on, like, an unbelievable role right now. It's like he watching is. an internet culture reporter just, like, hit, like, the perfect stride. And, like, I don't want to, like <laughs> – I don't want to spook him because he's just he's, – he's just killing it right now. Yeah, um, Chris, don't – if you're listening to this, don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this, do not listen to this. So his story was called A British 4chaner Went to Kabul for Lulz and Now He's Stuck There. My, I, I will say Miles Rutledge is no longer stuck there. He's in Dubai. Uh, yeah. He was evacuated. So, uh, he said that he wanted to go and visit the most dangerous places on earth. And he decided that he would go to Afghanistan right as the Taliban was taking it over. Um, when asked why he would do something like this, uh, he told input that he, uh, he gave him like a really strange response. He said that the fact that he was able to feed some starving children and hand out some money to those in need outweighs the issues of my tax dollars going towards an evacuation that might not even happen. Some people will think his actions are selfish, of course, Input Mag wrote. If I was looking at it from their perspective, maybe I'd think the same, he says, but I'd tell them that if they were there and saw what was going on, they would definitely think otherwise. So he's trying to like spin it that like he did like a good thing. I think I think that basically he was trying to be adventurous and do be edgy and has absolutely bitten off more than he could chew, and and like I mean you know if basically I don't think it's unreasonable to if if Joe Biden thought that there was eighteen months until the Taliban took Kabul I don't know why this guy thought it would be different <laughs> like I don't know why this, we should expect <laughs> this guy to be smarter than that uh but he yeah he clearly wasn't here but they're a very bad time and it went it went badly wrong for him um and he got out but equally he took up a seat on an evacuation flight that could have been taken by one of the many people who will doubtless be killed by the taliban in the coming months so yes. you know yes fuck this guy his his absolutely idiotic bullshit absolutely cost someone a seat on a plane um yeah. and at the same time though like this whole thing feels very nostalgic to me. The idea of like a random 4chaner ending up somewhere that they shouldn't be in the middle of a massive news story feels very pre-2015 to me. And of course they're British. Of course it's a British guy named Miles Rutledge. <laughs> of course. Um, but it, 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 as, as, as reprehensible as he is, it was nice to see, you know, the 4chan connection there. It was like a nice moment where I could be like, okay, I, this is awful, but at least like it's like I can focus on it, you know. 
Uh, there's also the Guardian TikTok that we should, we should, oh, sorry, Guardian Australia TikTok, which I think is important context. Okay. So if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, a screenshot went viral of the Guardian Australia's TikTok account. They have a, uh, a young woman. She seems very nice and very lovely. And she does explainers. Though, 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 to be careful, to be fair, she is Australian. So, right. She seems very nice for an Australian. Um, and unfortunately, I would say for this situation, she looks exactly like what you would imagine a woman doing news explainers on TikTok looks to look like. You know, she's got big glasses and, and bangs and she's doing the, the TikTok hand talk gesture they all yeah. do. And she's doing it superimposed onto images of 9-11 and Osama bin Laden. So it's very yeah. jarring. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think there's probably a lot of kids on TikTok that probably don't understand what's happening. But the aesthetics of it were deranged. It is, it is, it is basically 5% too far. And with stripping back some of the aesthetics, just, just the edge of the, the, the social media explainer voice, and maybe one fewer plant. Like there are moments in this video where she 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 cuts yes. to like her in some plants doing an explainer. It's like that's that was a bad move. But but why is she why is she doing that also? Why 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 the plants? Well, because she's uh, picked up like it's TikTok aesthetic. Like she's she's she, she, uh, my gut is, and I, I we we say she. It's not her fault. It is absolutely whoever her editor is fault. Like this is it very rarely is the fault of the person the reporter doing this stuff. It is almost always the editor. Uh. That someone should have been like, hmm, when we're talking about 9-11, when we're talking about uh, this massive airlift of people out of, out of a, a war zone right now, we probably shouldn't be doing the, all of the TikTok aesthetic stuff. But equally, if you went back 20 years and explained to people that, you know, people would just report by like, writing on Twitter among all the other mess that we look at, right? Uh, that that was just a normal thing. And we didn't think that that was like worthy of condemnation or even comment. Uh I think people would be quite surprised by it. So it is also just, there is a cyclical thing here. Like I, I personally do not have a huge issue with the fact it existed or the way that it was done, but I probably would have like wound it back just, just a little bit, just a little bit here and there. Yeah. I think there's just like a knee jerk reaction. Anytime a young woman does something for other young women that like people just laugh at it. That said, like I was not prepared for like, no, TikTok filters to be used on like a Taliban explainer. I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I should have been, but I wasn't. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Twitter discourse of uh, the leftists trying to decide if they're going to be tankies and support the Taliban or not? Um, I think that it basically doesn't exist. <laughs> like, I think that there are a small number of people who said really dumb fucking things and that the vast majority of people agree that the Taliban are bad. <laughs> Do you think the Taliban could build socialism in Afghanistan, Luke? <laughs> no, as we well know, uh, it is a, a Syria people's army who will build socialism in the Middle East. Um, and just to sort of like give you guys an overview of the Taliban's internet presence at the moment, I think this is interesting. So, um, I'm not prepared for the Taliban to be on Twitter. That so, in itself is fucking insane. And it's also insane that. Donald Trump was not allowed on Twitter. Yeah, but the, but the Taliban, Taliban is. Were. Yeah, so so here's where we're at with this. The Taliban are banned from all Facebook products, including WhatsApp. I'm not sure how they enforce that, but they're 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 not allowed. YouTube has clarified. At first, I think YouTube was not going to ban the Taliban, but then they were like, I think we should probably ban the Taliban. So YouTube has banned the Taliban. 
TikTok is blocking any pro Taliban content, which I think <laughs> is very interesting. That they, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I am emotionally ready for Taliban TikTok. I just don't think I am. Um, Taliban members were on Clubhouse. I'm not sure if they still are, but they were on Clubhouse. They're also using Telegram. But right yeah. now, the only platform where they have like completely unfettered access is Twitter, which is surreal. And also, I'm curious how this will continue because like they are, you know, they're being reached out to by other nations like Pakistan and China. So I don't yeah. know, you know, how long this goes. Uh, and how this will shift. But for right now, Twitter's all they got. Well, I mean, from what I've heard, like, so the Taliban have had some weird things happen recently. So the Taliban in the areas where they've had control, uh, have been running like WhatsApp group networks. Uh, right. so that basically that in local areas, you can put onto WhatsApp, like, hey, we have X problem and the Taliban will come to sort it out because like they are both a oppressive force and a, local council who deals with the bins essentially right and and so there is there is an element of this where it's like okay sure but also there are bits of afghanistan where they need the taliban to come and for better one of better example sort out the bins like you know there are bits and pieces of it and so as a result they've like kind of kicked them off whatsapp and the taliban do actually use whatsapp for generally genuinely the bits of useful administrative government they do do are often done on whatsapp which make the idea of what they're doing and refusing to be on and not being allowed on WhatsApp more complicated than just their bad form Facebook products. Yeah, it's very complicated because like they are now the government of that country. Yeah. And it is a country that, you know, like many developing or extremely poor countries relies on Facebook products for its digital infrastructure. So yeah. without them, it should be very it's very strange. Um, I mean, I think that it is interesting that the Taliban are criticizing Facebook for its censorship. And I don't quite know where we go from there. Oh, oh, hang on. I do have another thing I need to hit on this, which is the fact that a load of gender critical people, anti-trans people in the UK uh, have inadvertently started supporting the Taliban because the Taliban recognize whatever combination of words they use, sex based women born as women or whatever uh they basically don't recognize the taliban don't recognize trans people and therefore a bunch of anti-trans people in the uk have adopted them as being good or certainly understandable yes i totally forgot about this this was i would say the dumbest part of everything um i also think it really just speaks to the fact that like you know the turf movement is inherently fascist yep. movement there is no question in my mind um it is a and the fact that you have like even prominent Republicans in America being like the Taliban won't ask you for your pronouns like Gab is full of people here just being like, <laughs> I think we fought for the wrong side. Um, so, you know, that's all good stuff. It's all great stuff. Um, yeah. Love, love it all. <sighs> Do you want to talk about content to consume to stay sane now? I mean, I don't feel very sane right now, but sure. Let's yeah, do okay. It. Ryan, what content have you consumed to stay sane? 
It's a really good question. <laughs> um, or what did I consume? Um, no, I haven't consumed any content this week. You haven't consumed any content. I mean, I've been reading a lot of "Am I the Asshole" on Reddit. <laughs> I read it pretty much all day now. Um, because everyone's losing their minds, and they're talking about like really bad weddings and stuff. And so I've been reading a lot of that. That's good. That's. Would you recommend it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I've been trying to set aside two hours of my life to watch the fourth Evangelion rebuild, <laughs> if that means anything to you. But I just I haven't I haven't gotten myself to that emotional state yet where I can do it. But it's on my list. How about you? Have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? I mean, I'm sure I must have, but like damn dark from what it is. Uh, I have been. Uh, I'm reading a great book about Woodrow Wilson. It's really fun. Oh yeah, yeah. He seemed like a bad dude. Uh, I mean, he he's obviously racist. Like I, one of the most funny things about reading all these these books about presidents is you can really like you read one and then you read the uh, and this person explains like no no this guy was right this guy was the good guy and then you read the next person and then you realize that every biography is just on the side of their subject right so you just think the previous guy you read a book about is a dickhead even though the, it's great it's, it, for that perspective it's quite fun it's just like reading a load of different people's like gossiping about other people but yeah no he seems i don't know he's only just getting close to being president and he seems better than most people like very racist obviously but you know he was a early 20th century american president they're, they're all pretty racist yeah wasn't he like super racist though even for his time yeah he was but, but i mean <laughs> he was he was he was uh for a white democrat he was probably slightly more racist than normal okay is is pretty racist yeah pretty racist <laughs> huh if if not exceptionally so at the time uh that's that's all i've got i think okay all right uh do you want to go talk talk about the only piece of media i did consume this week which is the matrix yeah. revolutions all right let's go over to our other podcast and talk about the matrix let's do it let's do it bye bye, bye.